Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. A Dear Media original podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Wine Face, where we're breaking down everything the experts know about wine in a fun, digestible, and accessible way because wine is for enjoying and wine is for everyone. I'm your host, Helen Johannesson from Helen's Wines in beautiful Los Angeles, California. And we're doing something today that I like to call the refresher. If you go back in my archive, I definitely did a Rosé 101, or maybe it was called WTF Rosé. I can't remember, but you can go back in the archive. You can find that OG dinosaur. No, I'm just kidding. Or we're going to do what I like to call a refresher. Spring is here. It's almost the summer solstice. So... What else does summer need to get turnt than rosé? And what else do all of my listeners need than to understand rosé a little bit more? Now, I know this might seem like a surface level topic. Sometimes I'm like, do I geek out enough on these solos? Because, you know, this segment's called Geek Out Deep Dive. But I'm not going to sweat that small stuff. That's just the weird, you know, person on my shoulder in the back of my mind, and we all have them. I mean, mine has been so loud recently. Last night, I was up for an hour, stomach turning. No idea why. I was like, do I have food poisoning? No, I'm anxious. Anyway, the best cure for anxiety, rosé, or at least talking about rosé. How about that? Because I'm not drinking any rosé right now, but I wish I was. And after talking about it for the next however long, I think you're going to want to run out, go to helenswines.com, get a bottle. So if you're like bearing down, like paring down and bearing down, no, you're not bearing down on anything. But if you're paring down the definition of what a rosé is, you would, you know, maybe in a very basic sense, if you go to Wikipedia or something like that, it would be like, it's a type of wine. So it's like, it's like a category of wine, like white, red, rosé, orange, not really a style. It's a type of wine that has some level of color impression from the skins of the grapes. So if we're thinking about it in that sense, kind of makes sense, right? It's like, ooh, light skin contact. But I think what we have to start with is the color is very different from orange wine. 
And I think understanding a little bit more about the process can also help you when you're trying to select a rosé for whatever your needs are. So knowledge is power. I'm always about that. Most people, I think, there's a common misconception or there's a common assumption that rosé is created merely as a blend of white and red wine together. It's like mixing paint when you're in kindergarten. You're like, oh, (laughs) add a little white to this red and I get pink. Beautiful. I have such strong memories of doing that. I loved doing it and then like taking a brush and putting it on the page. Yes. So we'll talk about the blending style for a rosé. That is one of four ways that you can make rosé wine. But most commonly, rosé is made from red skin grapes. It can be made from any red skin grape. And a red skin grape is a grape that makes red wine. So we're talking about your Pinot Noirs, Cabernet Sauvignons, Zinfandels, Grenache, Syrah, Carignan, which are shout out to the Provence contingent, those last three. But yes, any, you know, Italy has its own whole world of rosé. So rosé is very common. It's global and it can be made from any red skin grape. And I think what a lot of people need to understand about rosé is it can be incredibly casual. It can be not a thought to your palate. It could just be like, you know, drinking water. And I know there's a rosé that's branded like it's water. Or it can take on a lot more nuance, structure, integrity, like dynamic characteristics. And we're going to get into how you sort of navigate those rosés, why those outcomes are prevalent in those styles within this style of wine. Okay, so there's four ways that you can make wine. The first one I'll talk about might seem like the most obvious because if you've listened to the orange wine episode, you will definitely correlate it to this episode as well. So the first way is kind of called like a limited skin maceration. What that means is there's a limited time frame where the red wine skins can macerate, aka hang out, aka rub shoulders with the juice that has been pressed, right? So they've got the grapes, they've sorted them on the table, they're in the press, they've pressed it, and now the juice is interacting with those skins. So limited skin contact maceration. This is probably the most common practice for a rosé. Most of the rosés that are out in the marketplace, this would be how the wine is made. And the real sort of barometer that might change is how long is the are those skins going to macerate with the juice. Commonly, it's anywhere from four to six hours to up to 48 hours. Now, obviously, if you go on the shorter spectrum, four to six hours, there's going to be way less color extraction, way less extraction of those tannins and any sort of characteristic that might come from interacting with the skins. And on the other spectrum, 48 hours, you know, you're going to get you're verging on a red wine. I mean, not really, but you're you're developing more within that juice, you know, more of a hue, more of a flavor, more of a structure. So skin maceration Now, there's no formula to this. This is all going to be decided when you employ the limited skin maceration vibe. It's all going to be decided by the winemaker. It's probably dependent on the grape, how the growing season was, how is the phenolic ripeness of that grape? You know, what does this rosé need? How do they want the flavor profile to be expressed? And all of that is 
kind of an artist and their brush. And like, I would not be the one to be dominant in being able to forecast why or how or who or what. But I will say as a type and category of wine, rosé is probably one of the most mass marketed wines on the planet because I think it's one of the ones that people are most confused about. And I feel like because it's sort of this casual poolside yacht dwelling drink that isn't taken very seriously and tends to be kind of associated with day drinking or just like very casual but chic scenarios. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors with that. There's a lot of marketing dollars behind that. It's kind of a relatively easy wine to make and then manipulate if you wanted to get a certain flavor profile. I think you all know who I'm talking about. That's right. It's the Whispering Angel. Okay. Thanks, Whispering Angel. It was never nice to know you. But this this episode is not about Whispering Angel, the worst rosé ever. Hopefully they don't hear this and get their feelings hurt, but it's just facts. It's just not a great rosé. The one that is in the United States being mass marketed at Trader Joe's. They make some other rosés that are mwah, chef's kiss, world class. Those just aren't what has been commonly found in many of my friends' fridges. Naughty, naughty, tisk tisk. I, I will tell you, though, one of my favorite stories is when someone did come to my house and brought me a bottle of Whispering Angel. And that was awkward. No, I uh, graciously accepted it. And then I disposed of it later. Okay, so we went over the first one, limited skin maceration. The next way that rosé could get produced is direct press. And now generally, a direct press rosé is exactly what it sounds like. It's literally, they put the grapes in the press You know, there's many different styles of presses, but they put the grapes in the press. This is the machine that is going to slowly press the grapes and extract the juice. And, you know, alternative to using a press is foot stomping. That's the OG press is foot trodden grapes. But direct press means that they are not letting the juice and the skins hang out at all. It's very limited. I mean, obviously... It's not zero time because there is a little bit of an interaction, but the press presses the juice and they separate it from the skins. Typically, you're going to get a light colored rosé when you use the direct press method. You're going to get a very quick impression. You get more notes of like strawberry and more acidity, just very bright and pretty and very fresh. And generally, a direct press rosé doesn't last as long, not after you open it, just in general. I'll take a moment to sidebar on the ageability of rosé. Most rosés, and I'm just categorizing this with like a blanket statement, most rosés are meant to be consumed within two years of their release. And most rosés are not held back. They're released one year after. So we're in 2023. That means this summer, most people are drinking 2022 rosé. They're not drinking 2019 rosé in general. So it's a it's a low shelf life item. It's not meant to be aged. And if you're doing direct press, you know, a lot of ageability in wine has to do with what kind of structure, what kind of internal bones a wine has. And one of those things is tannin. So if you're doing direct press, you're basically not going to get a lot of longevity out of it. And, you know, it is interesting because some people might hear that and wonder like, well, what happens to the wine? Like, is it going to poison me? I mean, I remember one time one of our restaurants, like somehow they had like four bottles of, 
you know, this was last year and they had like four bottles of like 2016 Provence Rosé. And I was like, yowza, that is probably not great. And they were like, oh my God, no, what? Should we even taste it? It's going to hurt us. And I was like, no, it's not going to be painful. It's just the wine's not going to taste that good. It's almost lost its life cycle. It, You can drink it, still alcohol, if you were just drinking to get fucked up. But like, if you're drinking for the enjoyment, the joie de vivre, like if you're drinking for the flavor and to pair with the food, a rosé that's past its prime is just kind of like, kind of feels like the acidity's out of balance. Flat would be the, you know, just like meh. That's the general emotion you might feel when you take a sip, a whole lot of meh. But yes, just sidebarring into a whole new topic of when does wine go bad, which maybe we'll do an episode on. So that's direct press. And then the fourth way, well, actually, no, we're only on the third way. I'm jumping ahead because I am skimboarding topics today. No, we are on rosé and we're on how to make it. So saunye is another way you can make rosé. It's the French word for bleeding. And... In the terms of winemaking, this rosé, when it's a Sagne rosé, is basically a side piece that gets bled off a red wine while the red wine is in its maceration period. So let's break that down. So you got red wine grapes. They're going to be, you got Cabernet Sauvignon. Well, that's not typically made into a rosé. So let's say you got Grenache. This is a good example. A lot of rosés made from Grenache. So you got Grenache, someone's going to make like a very intense, amazing Grenache. So they've picked their Grenache, they've pressed the Grenache, and now they are going to take the skins and the juice from the Grenache and macerate them together because they want to extract color and tannins. And that maceration might go on for 30 days or so. And at some point early on in this maceration fermentation process, a Sagne method rosé, they're, you know, they'd basically like think about a water spigot. They'd like down the bottom of the barrel <laughs> in the concrete vat, just like open up that spigot and bleed off some of that red wine. But it hasn't fully gotten to red wine status yet because it's very early on in the maceration period. So that's what a Sagne is. Yeah. You know what? Sagnes are not super common. I don't know. Is everyone following me on that? I feel like it's it's a little confusing, but let's let's give this example. OK, so let's say you wanted to like, let's say you really like crunchy oatmeal. And you're like, okay, I'm going to cook some oatmeal, but you really like it crunchy and everyone else likes it really creamy, dreamy. So when you first start cooking the oatmeal, you're going to siphon off, scoop out a little bit of crunchy oatmeal, and then you're going to let the oatmeal keep cooking and it becomes what it's supposed to be. Okay, this is a weird example because who the fuck eats crunchy oatmeal? I don't. All right, Sanye is when you bleed off some of the wine that is currently in a tank or a vessel, like being turned into red wine. Because the way that you turn a red wine into red wine, the reason it's not a rosé, is because the skins and the juice of the grapes and juice from for that wine macerate for an extended period of time. We're talking like 30 days, could be 60 days, could be 25 days, really depends. And during that time, that red wine's extracting tannins and colors and energies and vibes But like, let's say it macerates for 30 days. And then on day two, 
or day three, the winemaker's like, you know what? I'm going to siphon off a little bit of this for some Sagne Rosé. And basically, they bleed off. They, they open a little spigot and take out some of the juice as it was macerating, and then they ferment it separately, which means that it turns into a really cool rosé because it's darker hued. It's more structured. It tends to be richer and way more intense. And now I'm not an expert in Sonia Rosé, but maybe they bleed off the rosé 10 days in. You know, I'm not sure. But if anybody on listening, if anybody out there, is anyone out there listening to this has had one, you know that the color is like peony pink. It's like that deep, rich, almost magenta pink most of the time, no matter what grape it is, because the wine has almost gone into a red wine territory, but not quite yet. It got held back. I will give you an example. I don't know if they use the Sanye method, actually, but I would look into it. In the wine club this month, I selected this amazing Syrah Rosé. It is made by two Brazilians who then moved to the Languedoc Roussillon. And when I tasted it, I was like, oh my gosh, is this like a super light red or a super dark rosé? I feel like Sanye's walk that fine line of, you know, where do I fit? Except in the case of Sagne Champagne. So that's a very small category. It's not very common, but sometimes you do find champagnes that are made out of Sagne juice, bled off juice. And those are really special. And if you see one, hold on to it and drink it with someone you love. Okay. Last way that you can make Rosé is blending. It is blending. I think if you asked me five years ago if I would consider this a way to make rosé, I would have said no. But I think there's a lot of people who are kind of moving in this direction or experimenting with blending red grapes and white grapes together. But usually it's after it has been turned into wine. So they're blending post maceration and fermentation. It's definitely not that common. And it's definitely the more stodgy stuck up wine regions are not going to recognize this as like a true form of a rosé and how you would make rosé. Sort of like the underdog up and comer style. There is one exception to that rule. That is in Champagne, where blending of Chardonnay and Pinot Noir is very common for a rosé champagne. So just laying that out on the line. So yeah, blending. I mean, I think blending, you know, hashtag controversial if you want, but not really. I just don't encounter that many. I mean, I tasted with a rep three days ago who was like, yeah, and this is a rosé, and you know, and they kind of made this noise and the noise indicated like, do we really consider it a rosé or not? Because it's red and white. It looked like a rosé. I call it a rosé. Look, I'm not Webster's, but I think that we'll let them in the club, right? Four ways you can make a rosé. Some people might wonder where is rosé most famously from or who makes the most rosé? France, Italy, Spain, United States, just to name a few. But it's a globally consumed product. What I will say is there are some, you know, shady characters who maybe sometime in the 70s, 80s, there was this assumption that all rosé was sweet. 
And that's because there were a few big brands of rosé wine that were made artificially sweet. They're not naturally sweet. Sugar was added, marketed as a drink for mostly women to just really be miserable because let me tell you, (laughs) if you drink a wine with that much sugar, you're going to have like the worst hangover. So it's unfortunate because I think that rosé has been completely misunderstood up until about the last 10 years. And I think when we opened Helen's and John and Vinny's, it was so hard for me to convince people to get a darker-hued rosé. What's really interesting is in the last maybe three years, darker-hued rosés have really made a comeback. I don't even know if they needed a comeback in my mind, but in the gen pop mentality, everyone thought the lighter the rosé, the more pale, the drier, the less sweet. And what's crazy is a lot of times that isn't even true. A lot of times the paler rosés have a sneaky amount of sugar. So you just need to know how the wine is made. You need to know the producer or the importer, or as I always say, buy it from a shop you love. You definitely don't want to buy dirt cheap rosé. If the rosé is $5.99, I guarantee it's going to have some added sugar because it was made by grapes that were imbalanced, just spend 15 to $20 on a bottle of rosé. I don't know if that's a lot, but I think it's worth it because you know that you're getting a product that isn't elite. It's not fancy, but there's a certain quality level you want to achieve with it. Some of my favorite rosés, if you asked me, I do love rosés from Provence. I really do love a Bandal rosé, which is Bandal is a place in Provence And it is so magical there. I love the Chateau St. Anne Bandol Rosé passionately with every inch of my aura. I think it's so delicious. But I also love an Italian rosé. I love a Cersuolo, which is sort of a style of rosé more found in Abruzzo. I love rosé from all over the world. And I think that's what's so cool is it takes on such a unique expression of the grape. So... Listen, rosé, it's the season. Lean in, embrace. I highly recommend getting some sort of like cute little, I got one of these at a restaurant in Austin that I loved. It's like a little plastic shopping bag that I can put ice and water in. I think I'm going to buy some for Helen's and start selling them. Sorry, Arjat, don't be mad. But it was so practical. I loved it. Make sure you cool your rosé down. It's a really fun wine to pair things with because it really kind of goes with everything. Rosés typically don't have a mega footprint on your palate. So they're such good summer sippers, pair well with, you know, everything from shellfish to a cheeseburger to veggie salad with toasted pine nuts. Doesn't that sound good? Anyway, this was the refresher. This was the refresh to be fresh, okay? This is my Subway sandwich of rosé. And I hope that you have some cool rosé that you like. And I would love to hear about it. So if you had a rosé you loved and or one you hated, please send me a message, comment, subscribe so we can just know that you're out there. And I will say you can go to helenswines.com. We have a bombastic rosé selection right now. We are beefed up to the gills. We ship nationwide. And all of our wine clubs this month all have rosé present and accounted for. Very exciting. We're going into June. 
as always, thank you so much for listening. And if you want to follow along with more of what I'm up to, follow me at Helen's Wines. You can always check out, you know, I don't post that much at Helen Johannesson if you really want to get deep into my psyche of just, I never post. No, I'm just joking. Anyway, this was really fun. I love Rosé. I hope you do too. You know, go go out and be adventurous. Get a darker hued Rosé. Try, try to find a Sanye. Be wild. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time.